Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 209 for Monday, September 5th, 2022. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is a slightly wobbly Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> if you would like to hear more about my new legs, Johnny's new car, and his new TV, then you should listen to The Render Distance, where we explain all of that mystery. Uh, you're missing out. Uh, we have the wonderful support of our patrons that allows us to do this extra bit to the podcast every single week. You can get access at, at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. And this, of course, being our first episode of the month, we want to say a huge thank you to all of our patrons for your ongoing support. It is because of folks like you that we can dedicate the time to the spawn chunks to keep it going strong. Patrons can look forward to the September Minecraft Hangout later this month. Details, of course, are coming in the Discord closer to the live recording. And as part of our monthly rotation of, uh, I guess, themed episodes, we have the Chunk Mail Dispenser coming up later in September as well, which is when we dedicated a whole show to email. Yes, and we have a couple of good listener emails coming up, uh, and there's not a huge amount of news this week, so we'll probably spend a bit of time checking in, letting you know what's new in our Minecraft lives, and then we'll, you know, skim the news and then head straight into listener email. But uh, yeah, let's start with you, Joel. What's new on the Citadel? So there's not a lot going on. I I made one change to the Tiger Wood Mansion, which is still plaguing me with some, we'll say, creative block. Mm -hmm. uh, block as in unable to continue rather than minecraft blocks i would like to be doing more minecraft blocks with it uh <laughs> but one of the nice things about having a big project like Westill, or even just a big project within like this taiga wood mansion is that when you do get up against a roof that is kicking your butt uh you can just kind of switch gears to some other part of the build that is not yet finished or you have not yet tackled uh and i have uh i've noticed these kind of themes happening when i reach i don't want to say burnout but I've certainly reached a point where I'm stuck uh, right now in Minecraft. And um, I just have what I call construction streams where I'm just doing a lot of like filling or or very basic, like this stuff all needs to happen. I needed to fill in this hill. I need to pull this wall down. I need to move this and measure this out. And it takes hours. And at the end of the day, you've got nothing to show for it because you, you like it just you've changed structure. You've changed kind of like underlying uh, supportive things, but you've not really built anything pretty to show off in a screenshot. So what I focused on was the grounds around the mansion. So there's a gate on the on the road that leads you up a set of stairs there. This wall continues all the way around the mansion. Uh, into a back garden, but it also is on a riverside cliff's edge. So that wall had to be like pulled down to the cliff's edge or to the river's bank. Uh, I had to kind of like decide to shape the garden. Like I expanded it a little bit. I, I wanted to have a little bit more room to decorate with some cool trees and plants and flowers and things later on. And I decided to make the deep slate or the 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 stone stairs out of deep slate tile because everything about it, uh, the main structure is andesite and um, regular stone. So it's that medium gray. And so I needed something to contrast. And there's deep slate inside on one of the walls. So I thought, well, maybe some deep slate would be cool. It looks fancy. Like it looks like it's it's got a lot of um, richness to it. So a deep slate tile with a border of polished deep slate to kind of transition from the dark tile to the very light stone. I found that the deep, the polished deep slate has like a very lighter tone to it it's mm -hmm. not as yeah. dark as the rest so that worked really really well uh it's not like the wall is finished it's just like a set of straight blocks i haven't done any texturing i haven't added stairs or pressure plates or any kind of decorative thing on it i do 
want to have a couple spots where there's some chains so that you can look out over the river as you go down the stairs and make your way into the back garden. There's going to be some different things there. But I like the fact that this particular property has like a stone gate uh, that will eventually have like a big oak door or something like that on it, big uh, spruce door on it to make it look like it's very robust and maybe you shouldn't come in unless you're invited mm-hmm. sort of deal. Um, and it's it's helped and it's it's made the build feel, even though there's nothing under it but naturally generated Minecraft dirt and grass and stone, but it's made the build feel way taller and way bigger because of this long wall that hangs over the cliff. So... I don't have the imaginary basement in there yet. I might eventually do it, but it it does make the the overlying structure feel like it's sitting on top of something a lot more solid. And mm-hmm. so that was a good takeaway. But again, it's like it's hard to take a picture of it because it's just it's just stonework on the ground. <laughs> I really didn't do a whole lot. It's a lot of planning and, and a lot of filling, but there wasn't a lot of like building or big structural changes. So that's that's basically what I what I was up to. Um, the reason for it is because I feel like I've been not not overstaying my time in Minecraft, but I just feel like I need that creative break. And we all play other video games. And so I've been into Satisfactory again. There's another update coming in September for it mm-hmm. as update six rolls into the early access. And I just find sometimes that I'll get bitten by a different creative building game. And it doesn't necessarily sap my interest in minecraft but it does kind of pull my attention away and i try to lean into it because ultimately what will end up happening is that my experience in either another building game or like you with elden ring another video game entirely will end up inspiring something for minecraft yeah and i think that might be my issue it's not that i'm you know burnt out on minecraft because that's a little bit of an overused word or too severe of a phrase but i feel like i was playing so much minecraft this summer I wasn't experiencing enough other things to then draw from to be inspired in Minecraft. Yeah. So I'm kind of spreading those wings. I've I've lowered the um, the Minecraft streams down a little bit, um, keeping them kind of tight. Like I'm not streaming for hours and hours and hours. It's like two and a half, three hours. Like I just kind of like get them in uh, when I'm when I'm done with a certain project. Even if I'm not at my full stream time, I tend to be like that's a good stopping point. Like this is a good time to step away, refresh my brain, and come back anew the next stream so i've been kind of pacing myself with that and it's it's hard because and i want to ask you this because of the larger projects that you work on especially on empires like i'm getting really close to finishing west Hill. like it's not going to be tomorrow but i'm on to like there's only like another half dozen builds that are really important the rest are going to be kind of filler houses and then the rest is just decoration so i'm getting fairly close to finishing it and i feel like whenever i take time away or i slow down like i feel like i'm you know, I'm not, I'm not in a race and I have to remind myself that I'm not in a race to finish it all right now. I feel that like it, it sort of ties into the way you see video game companies talking about crunch a lot more right now mm-hmm. and saying like, you know, there is this overall culture in gaming development in probably any kind of project really but you hear about it in gaming where people just want to put all of the hours into finishing a project and like you know you you start to fixate on it to an unhealthy degree it leads to unhealthy workplace practices and that kind of stuff i do think 
having that kind of tunnel vision can be very stifling creatively and that's what leads to that sensation of burnout um i know we were talking to impulse about like time management and that kind of stuff and how difficult a lot of them found it with hermitcraft season eight where they were like really trying to power through and finish big projects like that led to a lot of the hermits taking a break between seasons eight and nine so i think the same thing can happen i think tunnel vision can almost be like as unhealthy as like for your minecraft creativity as playing a whole bunch of other games and not really spending that much time in minecraft you know i i think if you if you're if you're trying to focus on finishing a project then the important thing is to remember to pace yourself as much as you were doing in the beginning when it felt like an overwhelming task yeah and i feel like that that might be a a good opportunity for me to like step back and kind of like to like under like remind myself that it's okay to take it slow on some things and by getting it right now means i won't have to redo it because i i do get kind of gung-ho because i i can get kind of i know how to do this i know how to place blocks in minecraft i know how to quickly throw up a roof and i end up building three different roofs or three different pro uh, solutions to a problem whereas if i take my time i might have only had to do it the once yeah you know yeah, definitely. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to implement that. It's good advice. So one of the other pieces of advice I have, and this isn't necessarily for you because I think you've got a lot of your stuff in place already and you're just trying to figure out how to tweak it. With, with what I've been doing this week, I decided that I was going to try a completely different style of drafting a build. And it really came from... Like you were saying, like, you know how to place blocks in Minecraft. I sort of ran into a place where I didn't <laughs> and and this was kind of odd i was trying to work on this build that was going to be a museum for my ancient capital project on empires and i built the entrance and i did all of the texture and stuff up front i built the kind of colonnade along the front and uh you know stairs leading up to it and stuff and then i was like i don't know what the front wall of this looks like and anything that i started to build as a front wall to really build the actual structure of it looked really out of place by comparison and I was dwelling too much on the texture of things. So I decided to wipe the slate clean and I challenged myself to build and sketch this build just using stone blocks. And if it was just blocks, uh, slabs and stairs, then I could at least get the shape right before I worried about the texture and focus on having uh, like a clean silhouette and having a shape that was recognizable without all of the texture. Basically, they're providing the detail for me. And so this ended up turning into a survival guide episode, which I think is a really interesting thing to consider if people haven't tried doing this before, where I showed the process of shaping a build out of stone blocks first and then texturing it afterwards. I built it in survival guide with a different block palette. And then for my most recent Empires episode, which is coming out later this week, I rebuilt it on Empires using Lightmatica because the blocks I was using were much more scattered much more kind of the same style i have elsewhere where it's all meant to be broken down and so there's a lot of texture there's a lot of occasional basalt and deep slate blocks making the build look kind of grimy and that kind of thing so i yeah i built the this house three different ways basically i built it in creative first and then i built it in survival twice but made sure that the shape of the whole thing was the focus and I found that a really rewarding way of trying this. Obviously, it took a long time because it was more like a, a drafting process. I was going through 
a variety of different stages of this instead of just winging it in survival but i felt a lot more confident in the build once i was done with it and it allowed me to research things like the type of roof shape i wanted because i didn't just want to throw an angled roof on this thing and call it a day it didn't make sense for the build and that led to me trying to shape out uh, mansard roofs in creative and and those are the ones that you see on a lot of like french buildings from like the 17 late 1700s 1800s and they look very refined they look quite classical feeling a lot of the time they blend well with gothic architecture because they have a lot of roof ornamentation in the form of you know the kind of metal rows of spikes and and i'm not sure what they would even call that i didn't go that far in my research but i got a lot of good photo reference i went back to elden ring and found a roof where i knew they'd use the same style of roof in the capital city in elden ring and so I took a, a bit of photo reference, a bit of video reference. I even included 90 minutes, uh, 90 minutes, 90 seconds of Elden Ring footage in my survival guide episode for context. And then I just went ahead and did it. And I'm really happy with the result of this one. It turned what could have been a project where I was beating my head against the wall into a creative exercise that I think I will probably adopt as an approach going forward because it allows me to understand the shape of something before i struggle over all of those little details i really like the detail uh i mean the shape comes through but i really like the iron bar detail on mm. uh i get why well, do they both have it i'm looking at the screenshots that you yeah said. yeah, yeah I, they, I, both, they, I, they both have it i use uh, uh iron bars along the front lines of the roofs as well along the kind of overhangs of the roofs mm -hmm. in the empire's version whereas the survival guide version doesn't but then along the tops of the roofs to kind of accent the roof line those yeah they're all all, all there on both versions and the the dome as well like i i built a dome tower in the center of it and to make it look a little bit more like a dome that, that i'd seen sort of elsewhere i used a, again a bit of photo reference for that the iron bars were really crucial because it gave it a little bit more shape it shaped the kind of it framed the the domed roof really well and made yeah. it look not just look like a kind of weird pile of blocks as though i couldn't build a pointed tower you know the, there's there's a couple of those things that they they need something to just sell it as a concept and the iron bars really worked out that time especially when you're dealing at such a low scale like it's one two three four like it's only like seven blocks wide so if you're building a dome and your diameter is only six or seven blocks like that's a tough thing to sell in minecraft without some layers and the the iron bars work really really well i really like the detail along the front with the deep slate like dental work then you've got like anvils and more iron bars in the windows mm -hmm. um, yeah i'm letting everyone know i'm stealing this i just <laughs> i am if you see it in the, some of my builds no i stole it from johnny that's please, just i'm confessing that right now like uh, also love the uh the uh, glow lichen over looks like quartz to go with diorite like mm -hmm. that really yeah. blends together well i was trying to figure out a way of getting quartz brick and quartz pillars into this build or into any of the builds at the capital when everything else looks so grubby and a lot of it mm. is gray stone a lot of it is deep slate and mud and stuff like that but because this was a museum and it was meant to look fancier i wanted quartz pillars on the outside but then they look too bright they look far too polished and refined and unflawed <laughs> compared to everything else around them and so i thought yeah glow lichen is going to be an ideal kind of thing there 
and at a distance especially it blends really well with the texture of diorite and i figured diorite was going to be a shoe-in for like broken sections of it where it's a little bit more worn one of the pillars can look a little bit grubbier than others one of them can be broken and i'll use diorite stairs there and i've even got one of the stairs on the front of it leading up to the entrance which I replaced with a diorite stair on a corner, just but in the middle of the staircase, so it looks like a section has basically fallen out and has like chipped away as it's fallen down the steps. So yeah, I was really happy with the detail that went into the Empire's build. And even the survival guide version of this, while it's slightly less detailed because I don't really have a, a theme for my spawn area where I built this, so it was just kind of plonked down there in the middle of a wooded patch of birch forest, I think it looks pretty decent and you can outline areas like the roof in different materials blend them down into the rest of the structure it was it was a lot of a lot of really interesting exercises in one project basically um as for the use of it the museum on uh on empires is actually going to be a museum i've i've already moved in uh, a fossil that Jimmy discovered early on in the season, one of the fossils that generates under deep slate level, so it has diamond ore in it, and we put a glass box around it at the time in a kind of joking way of being like, yeah, we can turn this into like a museum exhibit, but nobody really goes down there because it's a deep slate level in a cave. So I decided I'm going to basically yoink that out of the wall of the cave and set it up in the museum along with a couple of other artifacts from the series and other bits and pieces. And I'm using that to move the story forward a bit as well. So as a as an exercise in building, I thought it all went really well. No, I, I would say very successful. Very, very cool. And I, I didn't watch the whole video, but I did see like the thumbnail and the start of the building things as a one block. That's a really interesting exercise. And it's something that I don't know if you knew, but concept artists uh, and character designers use that all the time yeah. in, in character design where, you know, you want your character or your key image whether it's a building or something to be identifiable by its silhouette by either a video game player or a television viewer or or a movie viewer because you want you know for example you want mickey mouse to look very different from goofy even if mm -hmm. they're completely silhouette yeah. and they're, those are extreme cases and they're very easy to spot but even if you had you know mickey and minnie next to each other because of the bow on her head and that she's usually in a skirt or in high heels or something she's easily distinguishable from mickey and like that kind of stuff is important in silhouette because it it just has a clear communication to to the person uh, seeing it. And so builds in Minecraft are the same thing. Having a strong silhouette will save you a lot of time down the down the road. Um, I I try to think about that certainly on an individual building basis, but I like to think about that as a as a whole for West Hill. So like when you're looking across the the cityscape of West Hill and you see the roof line, I don't want too many towers like touching one another. I kind of mm -hmm. want them all to be separate so you can see, okay, that's the mansion, that's the candle shop, and then that's the the dock. You know, like I want to see these towers in different positions and try to make sure that they're not all lined up by accident or or on purpose because then it just gets confusing for the eye to see what's going on. Yeah, and I I think I'll be doing this more often, I think, as I shape a few more buildings here at the at the capital, because I know it's not a new technique. I'm sure people have been doing this in Minecraft for a while, but it really helps to blow the cobwebs out. So if you get stuck uh, in building, I, I recommend giving it a try. Um, let's move on into the news today. The news is pretty light. As we were saying, uh, there is just one item we wanted to bring up, which was that uh, over on the Minecraft Twitter, uh, they are looking for feedback on the Bedrock user interface. There's a survey that we'll link you to in our show notes, 
and the user interface survey will help the team improve menus in Minecraft Bedrock Edition. I expect they will want uh, feedback from people who use Bedrock on all different kinds of platforms. So whether you're a mobile user on console, if you play Bedrock on Windows uh, 10 or 11, then by all means head over to this. We'll link it uh, directly in our show notes as well. The survey does close on September 8th, so there are only three more days at the time of this recording for you to fill that out, but uh, potentially could be a really useful thing to get some feedback on. Um, and I think it's good to hear that they're still keen on improving the Bedrock UI. They've been making some changes to it recently, and I kind of expect that behind the scenes there's been discussion of how to avoid a situation like bundles in future, where something just isn't compatible with one control scheme and an entire feature has to be scrapped or put on the back burner until they can figure out a solution for making it work. I think it's smart when companies reach out to players for UI input because uh, in my recent experience playing Guild Wars 2, uh, I had a lot of confusion in trying to find out some basics of the game because the UI was just poorly implemented. Mm -hmm. uh, hasn't been updated, I don't think, since the game was designed in, in, you know, well, it was launched in 2012, so it was designed previous to that. But I, I, I think that Iterative, de iterative design in your UI is, I think, as important in video games that are around for a long time, like Minecraft, like MMOs. You know, I feel like that kind of stuff is is important because uh, while change can be, you know, met with some friction, I think that improving that that player experience is good because you're always getting new players along the line, and if something is confusing and you can't figure it out in the UI. I find I get very frustrated as a player because then I feel dumb. You know, like I feel like I'm, I, I navigate the web. I use computers all day long, not being able to sort out a menu on a video game. I feel like I'm missing something and it just drives me when really it could be not my fault, but like, oh, that's just missing from the UI when it really should be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so any kind of improvements and, and surveys to that effect, I think are are excellent. And hopefully that'll bleed over into maybe a Java survey or the information taken from the bedrock will also be applied to, to Java if it's um, something that would be applied in both spaces. I'm kind of curious to see if they are... Uh, still taking feedback on this Bedrock UI because there might be an inventory update in the works like a lot mm -hmm. of people have been asking for and yep. if this is just trying to get a feeling for how players use the UI uh, so that that can feed back into it. Obviously a lot of the changes in the UI have been with settings and menus and that kind of stuff so it's not going to be exclusively focused there but yeah I am curious to see if some of that stuff will, uh, will bleed over into uh, the development of something that's going to help inventory issues that people have been complaining about lately um on the same note kind of uh I'm, I'm sort of surprised they haven't made an official announcement yet for the minecraft live date in october uh, lady agnes mentioned it in the most recent episode of minecraft now we covered that on the show in the news segment last week but they haven't made an official minecraft.net post it hasn't been mentioned on the minecraft twitter account i don't think and yeah other social channels seem to be fairly quiet on it i i guess maybe they're going to do it when we're a month or less away from October 15th, which is when it's happening. But I guess we still have, you know, 10 or so days in September before that. But I'm I'm kind of curious that it was sort of soft launched there, but not announced formally anywhere else just after. And, you know, true to form, it could happen tomorrow. 
because we're recording today <laughs> yes um or, or or next tuesday like i kind of feel like like you said a month out is probably about about right and um it's the the 15th of october so the 15th of september is only 10 days away so i would imagine at some point in the next week to week and a half we'll probably get some minecraft.net post that'll explain you know when it is and because we didn't get a time of day we only got a date Yes, uh, I'm assuming live on YouTube as it has been the last couple of years, so that that shouldn't change too much. But uh, I'm I think that they'll probably let us know because I think last time it was like they announced you know when it was the time of day, the fact that there was like a 30 minute pre show before the actual presentation was going to yeah, begin. They, like they're still lining out the that. schedule and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah, and for sure. Uh, we're going to keep Minecraft Live in mind for a little bit later for our main discussion because uh, the, speaking of timings, we usually don't hear about the whatever community vote is going to happen for some content to be added to the game until the week of Minecraft Live in a lot of places. Uh, but we're going to be talking a bit about that later. In the meantime, though, uh, let's move on into Chunk Mail. Sounds like a plan to me. If you would like to email the show and share your thoughts about what you think might be coming from Minecraft Live, you can send those emails to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Keep them short, keep them sweet, and you have a better chance of being read on the show. First email comes from GeniusGeneral06, which I just realized if you abbreviate spells GGOG, <laughs> which is weird. I don't know why that popped into my head. Uh, tree mechanics is the subject of the email. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I was listening to episode 206 and a topic sprung up about changing forests in Minecraft. This got me to think about trees and how Mojang could bring more ambiance to the game. What if there was a tree that could change its leaves depending on what type of dirt it was growing in? If this tree was grown on dirt, it would have green leaves. If the tree was grown on podzol, it could have yellow or orange leaves. Maybe if it was grown on coarse dirt, it would have no leaves at all. I would definitely want to frolic in a beautiful orange forest, but the idea is also backed by science. Podzol is extremely acidic and is usually lacking in nutrients. This would starve the tree and cause its leaves to lose their green hue. Coarse dirt could be too dry, effectively killing the tree and losing the leaves themselves. Tell us what you think. Genius General fell from a high place while climbing a multicolored tree. I love this idea. Like, the more I think about it, the more I enjoy it. Because, as Genius General says, it's it's a scientific thing. It, like, it teaches people about the natural world, which is one of the things that they've emphasized with some of the more natural features added to Minecraft lately. It feels like, in a sort of roundabout way, there is precedent for something like this. And while part of me, the, the builder part of me, just says, you know, yes, anything for more leaf variants, I think growing it from a specific block is a really neat move and there's a few things like you know like how does this interact with the leaves that already have a fixed color how does that interact with biome color i think that's stuff for programmers to figure out but i think it it being a tactile solution to a fairly common player request is a great approach so i think this is a, a really really neat idea i agree i i think this is super fun and I don't think we need new trees. I think you could just have the leaf color change based on what tree you grew on, what piece of dirt. Yeah. And if there are some trees that Mojang doesn't want to have changed, like, like let's say, for example, that they didn't want the new mangrove trees to have different leaf colors because it either doesn't make sense or it's too complicated because of how they grow, you know, because they don't have a single block at the bottom. They, they have like multiple roots and all that kind of stuff. 
um, I think that you could just allow certain trees to do it. Like you could just say, well, we're going to go with um, birch and oak and dark oak and then nothing else. will Like jungle trees, they, there's because an autumn jungle tree doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Whereas you've got the other trees uh, are are trees in life that you'd see that would have changing leaf colors. Uh, there are also more blocks in the game than uh, Genius General mentioned that could be used for this. You've got dirt, coarse dirt, rooted dirt, mud, sand, and gravel. So you could have a range of different colors depending on what block you used. Because the only thing that I'd like to remove from the idea as presented was the RNG for orange or yellow. Mm -mm, nope. I want to know what I'm getting. If I'm going to be placing a tree on a, a, a podzol block and I'm going to get orange, fantastic. Then I want yellow to come from say rooted dirt you know or or i want um brown to come from a mud block whatever it is i want to know exactly what i'm getting i don't want to deal with the same thing we deal with flowers currently where you place it on a block and hope it's in the center uh i think that having control over this would be fantastic the only thing that i think might be hard to achieve in minecraft and would look kind of weird would be dead trees with no leaves because in a lot of cases that's going to be a four block high stump <laughs> yeah like right it's, it's, it's there's just no branches. a log a log yeah. but vertical yeah um, and i and while they could be bigger and some of the like the big oak trees have a lot more logs in them they're also placed at weird angles and they've like diagonal collect connected blocks it doesn't really look the best unless they added some sort of like wood post to the game that could be added in there to have it look like a couple of branches which i think would look phenomenal like just take something that's a wall in minecraft that that uh physical size make it have the log texture and allowed to be placed sideways and one players would rejoice for having like fence posts that are bigger than fence posts that you could put in the ground uh you could have sideways wood blocks like there could be all kinds of implementation and the natural generation in the world could add branches to dead trees like i i think there's a really smooth solution there to the leaf color that people have been asking for for a long time the other thing about generating trees with no leaves is that it changes the way wood farming works because right now when you've got an automatic tree farm you've got to crush all the leaves out of the way that gets you more saplings which is potentially still a desirable thing for like renewability and just being able to stand there have new saplings dispensed to you and and plant them as you get them but then if you have a bunch of saplings that you plant on something that isn't going to produce leaves then all you get is the wood and you can destroy it at the source and oh, so there's yeah. there's there's potentially some some interesting gameplay variation there a few interesting challenges for the redstone folks to figure out we've also not mentioned say like mycelium for example what if that gives you a wacky variant of a different type of tree what if that's the biome where you can't currently plant saplings on mycelium i don't think but what if you can but that's the biome that gives you pink and purple leaves and you get cherry blossom as a result of that but from you know an oak tree or whatever it would happen to be um I'm curious if there's a, any precedent for this in the game already, if there's anything else that changes based on environment outside of biome color. I think the closest mechanic to what we're talking about here is stuff like dripstone drying out, you know, mud blocks turning them into clay or copper, maybe checking for nearby copper blocks to figure out whether it ages or not. But those mechanics are all recent. And so this feels like a really interesting natural evolution of the way like they could look at some of these mechanics and revise trees to fit in with something a bit more modern mechanic wise i think it's a cool idea i'm sure there are a couple of unseen things that we wouldn't have figured out maybe it feels unintuitive to the player when 
all you have is dirt, but then it's not growing the right type of tree that you saw it grow on a grass block before. Uh, but yeah, like as as Zay Chris in our live chat is pointing out, when trees grow, a lot of the time they will basically turn the block underneath them into dirt again because it's a a block a solid block covering a grass block or whatever it happens to be on so those would just revert to dirt naturally when you grow something in the same place again you get a different type of tree maybe grass and dirt could be the same i don't know but there's there's potential for a wide variety of mechanics to arise out of that which i think makes it a really solid idea i like the idea of the mycelium i did not think about that what i did come up with was ways to get other colors that are not realistic because whenever someone writes in with a suggestion like this my brain also says okay well what could we do to make it like minecrafty and weird so it's not just representing the real world and therefore we're not stuck in those confines what happens when you grow a tree on endstone amethyst redstone honeycomb coral blocks like could you get blue trees i would love to have blue trees that would be a fantastic way to grow like an elven blue forest you know if you had coral blocks which would be feasible if you put like water underground put a coral block down grew a tree on a coral block and like then you would get the color of the leaves of the coral block and granted there are some like overlays like we already have yellow and red suggested for natural leaves um, but maybe there's different colors, like maybe a brighter yellow, maybe honeycomb could be some sort of gold. I don't know. I just think there, there's some potential there to have some real fun with it. I love the idea of purple trees, you know, or weird and wacky trees. You know, maybe maybe the things that happen in on or from mycelium or in a, a mushroom biome are not even really leaf blocks. Like maybe they're just something completely different. Some um, kind of but, like extra fungus block, kind of like the yeah. way ne like the way nether trees are technically mm -hmm. speaking giant fungi instead of actually trees, right? Yeah, could be there could be some really really fun stuff, and especially for uh, I see that uh, Sandy in our chat is asking for pink leaves, and I feel like giving players some sort of pink leaf um, alternative or something like that would be great because right now when you're making a cherry blossom tree, you have the challenge of like a lot of people use uh, pink powdered concrete but then that's a gravity block and you have to have something underneath it to hold it up yeah and i i feel like if there could be blocks that act similar to leaves and and have that kind of texture um and especially if mojeg does their magic and while it works as a cool weird pink leaf block maybe it also works as something else because it's just got that kind of like interchangeable texture where like you could use it in a sci-fi build or you could use it as a natural foliage thing um, there's all kinds of potential here I'm calling it now 1.20 leaf update. <laughs> that's, that's all we want based on this conversation. Um, let's move on to our next email, though, before we get too carried away with this one. This next one comes in from Aldabar, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord community. The subject being new blocks in old builds. Hello, Joel and Johnny. My question is about how you use new blocks in existing builds. I have a tendency to make individual towns or settlements as my default build style. When new blocks come out, I try to limit the use of those blocks in towns that were started before those blocks existed. This can be problematic when you have long-term projects, however, and the new shiny block is perfect for what you're making next. Joel, how have you handled this challenge in West Hill? Would you go back and add tough to the outer wall, for example? Aldabar perished from hunger, trying to decide what blocks to include in the next house. So something I like to remember is... Uh... A phrase that I see circulating in art circles and, and design circles a lot, which is perfect is the enemy of done. Mm -hmm. And I have been using Minecraft over the last five years as an exercise 
against my perfectionism. Now, if you were to watch me stream, you would think, Joel, it's not working. <laughs> you put a lot of time into details and perfectionism. But uh, there are a lot of things in Westhill that I've moved on from because I needed them to be done. And I didn't really feel like nitpicking at them forever. Because if I do this, I will be building Westhill until 2025, which I don't want to do. I really like to try and finish it this year if I can. Um, so that said, Westhill has spanned the announcements for 117 and 118 and 119. So when I know a new block is coming, there are a couple of things that I have held off on. So I'm not allowing myself to go back and redo things, but I am certainly making a mental note to say, okay, I've got this huge vertical face on the south side of the main keep in Westhill. I knew that Deep Slate and Tough were coming, so I specifically did not texture that part because I knew there were other blocks that I was going to want to put in that because it's such a long wall. It would benefit from a gradient and some detail and things like that. Blocks I just didn't have when all I had was diorite, stone, and stone bricks. Or not diorite, andesite, um, stone and stone bricks for that particular use. So I held off on it. Uh, I may go back and end uh, and add a bit of tough to the outer wall only because while the wall is done, because I wasn't 100% sure that the wall was going to stay where it was, and I did end up moving part of it uh, a few months ago, um, I didn't smooth the landscape around the wall perfectly into where the wall meets the land. So there's no foliage, there's no overgrowth. Uh, it looks very plunked down, especially from the front of, of the the, the build. So I have opportunities to maybe put a little tough at the bottom, maybe put some tough on the ground outside the wall as if pieces have fallen out of it. I might add a detail where I take a chunk of the wall and have it look like it's been broken uh, or repaired. So there's a few things like that I might do. But in as a general rule, I don't go back to older builds and redo them because then you're just on this endless loop of just re constantly redoing your old stuff. Uh, and so I like to try to move forward. And that to me, that's where the exercise of letting go kind of happens. But it has the added benefit of giving your Minecraft world a real history because you can go walk through some of the older stuff, depending on how long you've had your world and go like, oh, wow, this is all like pre 113 or this is back when like there weren't even, you know, uh, the, the glazed terracotta blocks. So like everything just feels very wood and stone until the new blocks come out and everybody you know when new blocks come out people jump on them and they start to build things that have most of the new blocks in them i i did that the flower shop on Westhill has got a lot of mangrove and a lot of mud blocks uh so that kind of stuff i, I think is is something that people lean into when new blocks come out um, but i do try to limit my my reverse engineering and kind of going back the only exception would be if i'm doing something in minecraft and the solution that I have come up with for now, it's like when you're choosing the lesser of two evils, it's just like, ugh, neither one of these solutions that I can come up with work the best. I'll take the one that offends me the least, <laughs> mm -hmm. makes my eye twitch the, le the least, and I'll move forward with that. And just kind of remember, you know, if anything comes out that I could use to fix this, then I will go back and do it. I don't have any block examples off the top of my head, but I can let you know that a good portion of my medieval town is overlit because it was built when mob spawns were still at seven and below and candles weren't a thing. So now that I've got candles, I can go back and remove a lot of lanterns and have dimly lit interiors that are still spawn proof. You know, I can have dimly lit, you know, streets that surprisingly will be spawn proof. So I'm going to have to do a pass and go back, do some decoration. There are some 
like micro builds that I want to put in. Like the streets are barren and I want to put in like the odd cart, you know, maybe a barrel or two or just have some life uh, around in the town. And I'm depending on what's available for new blocks, like I, I might be using new blocks and some of the things that I do may just never exist. And it makes sense to kind of save on a long-term build like West Hill or if you're building a castle or a town or a city or whatever, if you've got some stuff that you know there's either updates from Minecraft coming or you know you're going to be on this build for the next six months and you know that there's an update coming from Minecraft in the next six months or there usually is, then it might be worth to say like, you know what? I'll leave the interior of this condo for the end and just see what I can work with when I have a broader palette of, of blocks, you know? Yeah, that's... I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I don't have a huge amount to add here. I think one of the best things about the development of Minecraft is that we often know about updates that are coming a few months ahead of their actual implementation. So they'll announce stuff at Minecraft Live. We won't see it until Christmas or beyond. So I think if you know in advance that a new set of blocks is coming, like let's use copper as an example and you know that you want to use copper and you're like, yes, that'll be perfect for my steampunk build over here, then you can plan ahead for that. You can decide, okay, this is going to be a steampunk district of my existing town. Or do like what you've done, Joel, in West Hill and have some areas which are, you know, poorer citizens versus the mm -hmm. rich people yep. who live on the, the side of town that gets like, you know, different types of blocks. You end up building, you know their roofs out of mangrove now that you have access to mangrove and it feels like it gives that area of town a different character so i think on larger projects if it's a town or settlement of some kind segmenting it into districts like that and not necessarily having it divided by class or anything but you know just figuring out okay this area is going to have stone that was brought in from a different place if there's a new stone type being added i think that's a sensible solution I don't personally go back and change aspects of my builds much either. I tend to iterate on stuff as I go, and then if something feels like it already fits with the established character of the place, I'm probably going to have figured out what that character is with the old blocks in mind anyway. So it's just how that can be added to with some of the newer blocks, and then, okay, yeah, shiny new block is going to be the roof for this area, the wall for another house you figure out what's next instead of looking back on stuff you've already done. The other thing that I can think of is the river. Like I was waiting for waterlogged leaf blocks to be a thing before I started doing all the foliage along the river. Mm -hmm. So when, when new mechanics come in, I find that that also, it's not just new blocks, it's new mechanics as well that I find influence the way that, that I work. Um, but yeah, I think, when you're doing a big build like that to, to go completely counteract my advice and my problem from the top of the show, patience mm -hmm. <laughs> is kind of key and not rushing through it because when you rush through it and then a new block comes out a month later, you're like, ah, I wish I had to take in my time because then I would have had access to this as I was finishing things up. Copper is a good example. I remember when I, with Westhill being, like you said, the, the having a, a richer side and a poorer side, I knew some of the blocks that were coming that were fancier. And I thought those are going to be better, like the mud bricks and the and the the copper. Like those are going to be better roofs for the fancier part of town versus the not, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's neat to have a bit of a advance warning of a lot of this stuff. And hopefully we're going to get an advance warning of what's coming in the next Minecraft update. So let's talk about that. 
Minecraft Live, we know, is scheduled for October 15th, 2022. What we don't know is literally anything else about it right now. And so when we were spinning up ideas for the topic of discussion this week, we thought, what if we talk about whether there's going to be a mob vote, a biome vote, what our impressions are based on previous years and what we think where we think the minecraft community is at in terms of what we want to be able to vote on as a community this year and i think as far as choosing between a mob vote and a biome vote i think a mob vote probably wins in my book i, th I think we've already got biomes that have been part of previous votes that it still feels like there is a backlog of we're starting to see some of the runners up from previous biome polls added with the change to swamps in 119 which led us to getting a whole new biome the mangrove swamp and i think even with the without the expectation the community has placed on birch forests we still have savannas deserts and badlands as the losing entries or runners up of previous biome votes which i think are going to be potentially on the docket for changing so i don't know what you think about this joel but i reckon a mob vote is probably on the cards this year i would say mob vote again over a biome vote uh and i also think like you said you know with the response to the birch forest stuff i feel like another biome vote would be inviting a lot of bad just a bad lot a lot of bad pr like i don't, bad I don't press think you, yeah yeah i don't think you'd get a lot of yay another biome vote for three biomes one of which we may not get the other two we may never see like i just sure. i don't think yeah. you're, you're not going to get a lot of confidence i think from the player base which i hate to say but when you're looking at the track record like yeah like it just you you wet the whistle of all of the of all the fans of the game and then it takes so long to implement uh these changes that uh i feel like there would be um less excitement than mojang would want it, it would for, certainly like, invite a lot of yeah. cynicism i think yeah that's so, the word i was looking for thank you yeah, yeah. So no, that, I'm, that's an apt description i'm crossing my fingers that it is a mob vote at this point because presumably mm. they have some ideas sketched out for this at least um and yeah zacris points out something that was basically my next point is that a mob is a lot smaller in scope it puts less pressure on the yes. team because biomes when they've been presented as something we can vote on they typically have three changes they have a block a mob and some change to the terrain or flora so tiger winning the biome vote back when they did the first one of these we ended up with berry bushes foxes and campfires right so that's the flora the mob the block um and then mountains introduced goats and then also had a big change to terrain we also got powder snow it's the same kind of principle each time um but then that's all condensed down into one mob if it comes down to a mob vote and that's a mob that they can use to really flesh out its functionality a lot of people complain that goats didn't really do a whole lot when they'd been added in the mountains and foxes are cute and have little bits of quirky functionality but they don't necessarily have the level of functionality that the allay has as winner of the the mob vote from last year so i think potentially mob votes allow for a more concentrated effort on something that's going to be more popular with the player base and maybe this is just the stacking kind of interest in minecraft live presentations over the last few years but the last couple of mob votes have had a lot of people voting they've had you know in the millions of people ended up pl placing votes for the last mob vote in 2021 so we are potentially going to see another very high turnout if it's another mob vote this year and i think that something that i noticed last year was the reception of the mob vote in general was a lot more exciting because i think the mobs were all made up 
fantasy mobs. Yeah, like they were they all were original. Not, yeah, they're all original. They, they weren't versions of existing mobs. It wasn't the Moo Bloom, which <laughs> the glow no squid, hate yeah. on no hate on you if you like the Moo Bloom. That's fine, but I don't find that as exciting as something like the Glare or the Alay or the Copper Golem. Uh, and uh, I think that the idea, uh, especially with um, the golem where you could, where you built it, you know, uh, the allay, you had to go find it. Uh, the glare, we never got that far. So we don't know yeah. where you'd actually find it. But, but I feel like those kind of things are way more unique and way more interesting. And I think also open up, you know, player expectations and possibilities of what this mom could do when they're that fantastical. Now, I say that, and I could not have predicted frog lights if they were coming out of my frog butt, uh, <laughs> which, you know, like I just, I did not see that coming. I thought, ah, oh, frogs are kind of cool. And it wasn't until the frog lights were like, okay, now I get it. Like now yeah. I understand. And I think that, that there's that kind of thing that if they can find a mob, if they do go with a natural mob, something like that, or that we would find in the real world. I think if they can find a way to Minecraft up the functionality or interaction with the player, I think that goes a long way because like, I, you know, I don't really want just like another bear in Minecraft that does nothing but chase me. Like I, I kind of would like more interaction or more kind of like unique abilities or unique um, gameplay out of a mob. Uh, yeah. And I think that Mojang has come up with some really cool solutions in the, in the past, like the Strider. You know, like like you know, frog lights, and so I'm curious to see what might be might might be coming. And I don't know. Maybe this year it ends up being a mix. Like maybe there is a fantasy mob, but then maybe there also is like a very natural mob. Yeah, and, and there's there's potential for that. And I I think either way, the key is having a solid idea up front and communicating it to players. That's what got everybody excited last time. Not just because the mobs were original, but because we were told their functionality, the designs were well received. And then in previous years, you had things like the Glow Squid, which was announced as an aesthetic mob with no further function. It eventually got that, but we didn't have that as information up front. And even the Moo Bloom felt a little bit hazy. Like, we think it might interact with bees, I think was roughly what they said. Whereas last year we got, here's what it looks like, here's probably where you can find it, here's what it does. And I think that's that's really great. Um, I also doubt that we're going to see any previous entries returning, so there won't be a chance for players to vote for the Copper Golem or the Glare again. This hasn't been their approach in the past, and I still think a loser's bracket vote isn't really a good look. It kind of in the same way of like bringing back a biome vote or having players vote on whether a birch forest gets added to the game just feels like a bit of a kick to anybody who wanted that in the first place. Um, so... In drafting up some of the possibilities, I thought previously, if they don't go with a brand new original idea we've never seen before, there is potential for them to bring in mobs from Minecraft spin-off games. That's where we got the Glow Squid from, from Minecraft Earth. Minecraft Dungeons mobs have been on the table before as well. And now we have Minecraft Legends on the rise. And I think Legends seems the most likely place to bring new mob designs in from not only because it ties in with the game that Mojang are trying to bring attention to, but they clearly have new mobs that we haven't seen before in vanilla Minecraft appearing in Legends. You have a yellow variant of the Allay, which has different functionality, where the blue ones gather blocks for you, the yellow ones seem to be builders. 
Um, there is a badger, which we talked about last week, that I'm very interested in appearing in Vanilla Minecraft. Thank you very much. There are also several other types of golems. Um, there are a bunch of piglin variants as well. So there is potential for a lot of those ideas from Legends to be brought around into vanilla minecraft i think the golems could bring more chances for automation badgers could potentially dig holes although obviously there's you know functionality issues there with you know uh, something other than the player being able to break blocks it depends how fast they do it i guess and it technically it's a form of mob griefing um yeah maybe yellow allays perform like they do in legends they help you place blocks somehow i don't know there there's potential there for functionality to cross over but also for design to cross over and to help cross promote legends in the process i can see them pulling at least one legends mob uh especially because they've got more fantasy stuff like more piglin various variations the 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 yellow allay i feel like would be kind of low in the totem pole for me because like, yeah. we just got an delay last time and i don't <laughs> really feel that i mean they're cool looking but i don't really they're not like i'm not super excited about the la even though i did vote for it the implementation has not been quite what i was hoping sure. uh, in the in the game so um i i'm curious to see what they might pull over from from legends i haven't seen enough see all the stuff i've seen in legends seems to be in in cinematic trailers so i don't even know if those are actually in gameplay you know um because, I mean, the Badger... Have we seen the Badger in gameplay footage, or has it just been the trailer? I think it's been... It, it isn't exactly front and center in gameplay footage, because the gameplay is just like hordes of mobs running into a location, mm. and it's focused on the player character. But I think the Badgers are at least around. They might be ambient creatures, if not something that you're sending in as a unit to attack your you know, enemy fort or whatever. Um, but then you've got the, the little golems, which are... They look like wood plank kind of golems, you see them getting shot down by piglins a couple of times in the trailers. I'm okay. pretty sure I've seen those in gameplay footage at this point. And there are some that are like little arrow turrets so that we have our own versions of like, you know, basic versions of skeletons, basically. Right. Um, so I think there's there's stuff like that out there. Um, beyond Legends, though, we have a couple of things from Dungeons. And there's been a bit of back and forth between Dungeons and Vanilla Minecraft. Dungeons introduced the Wildfire from the 2017 mob vote as a boss recently. Um, there are also a few other unique mobs that are in Dungeons. We know the Isologer was part of a previous vote and then was voted out in favor of the Glow Squid. Um, the Tower was added to Minecraft Dungeons sort of recently, which has this mob that's like three blocks stacked on top of each other, but it, it kind of forms one kind of like entity kind of like there's a pokemon that's like that as well it, it really reminds yes. me of that yeah um but yeah like there's a few other things which i don't know how good they would be in a survival minecraft like in a vanilla minecraft context but there's still a deep well of other creatures to pull from in dungeons and potentially in minecraft earth as well although most of the minecraft earth mobs were aesthetic variations on a theme rather than being things with their own unique functionality when i think about the hostile mobs my brain always ends up in weird places because of like, you know, the end and the recent update to Minecraft Dungeons. And so I always think, you know, that more m m aggressive mobs are going to maybe come in with a biome update. Like, for example, I could see more hostile mobs, like more than one being introduced with an update to the end, which I'm yeah. not saying I'm not suggesting that's what we're getting this year. But I'm, I'm thinking like that would be the spot to put in some really weird, you know, um, additional enemies and not have to worry about how they fit into the overworld or how they fit in the nether because the end you'd have a blank slate 
Like you yeah. could just do anything that you wanted. Um, I do find that a lot of times, uh, and it could be just a vocal minority, but I feel like there's a lot of player, uh, not, I want to say negativity, but um, there there's a desire not to have more hostile mobs in the game. I don't think people want more stuff to shoot at them or to be like to shoot at uh, a lot of the time. I guess it depends on whether you're talking to like, well, what does it drop? Like, can I farm it? Uh, or or if it's the people that already have a hard time going to the nether, like, do they want a faster version of it, like an armadillo piglin <laughs> rolling yeah. around and causing problems? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like whenever I see that stuff, people always say, no, I don't want, I want the passive squid that I don't, I just get fancy glow stuff from. I don't want to have to deal with an isologer, you know, um, despite the fact that I think that the isologer, for me, I think was was my vote for that. I think the other thing is that I see the appeal from other games with the layers that they have in the models, you know, like the armor that's over top of the piglin or just a little bit more detail. And I'm hoping if they add, you know, a new mob to the game that it has the same level of polish that you had with the frog, the way that it walks in the animations, the uh, the goat, while simple, looks really cool. Like the model and the texture on the goat is far and above what you see on a cow, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if they're going to go and add uh, new stuff into the game, pulling from legends and pulling from dungeons, you have the ability to grab, you know, an armored piglin or a, or a, some sort of other baddie that could have a little bit more depth and make Minecraft feel a little bit more modern. Yeah, like I, I think there's... There's room for it, but I, I kind of agree with you that hostile mobs aren't really the kind of thing that people enjoy voting on because you're effectively voting for what's going to kill you next, you know? Like, you're, mm. you're inv inviting your own destruction in a way. And, yeah, I think there's, there's room for those to be added with new challenges to new biomes. I think one thing the community might be interested in seeing, and this is maybe from the perspective of players who enjoy combat in Minecraft, is more boss mobs. And I feel like there's been... Mm almost like pe people have wanted the warden to be classified as a boss mob even though it's technically not like people want combat challenges like that but i i think that the the community doesn't necessarily know what it wants in that sense because a lot of the time if you add something like that like the warden even you just figure out the way to cheese it and then it doesn't really feel like a boss experience anymore unless you're trying to fight it fair and square which very few people i know bother fighting the wither in a fair fight these days so i'm i'm kind of curious to see if that's something they'd consider as a bit of a curveball having players vote on a boss mob um or if that's the kind of thing they would avoid entirely um i think if they introduce original mobs again i would love that especially if the same amount of thought and originality goes into their designs as last year because i would have been happy with any of the 2021 options i voted for the la and the la one but i would have been fine with a copper golem or a glare so i wonder if there are still more ideas deep in the well somewhere for things that they could bring in that were you know brand new original fantasy concepts to minecraft that could could still be of of interesting function to players yeah, and I went over in my brain, you know, before the show, thinking about different fantasy stuff. And really, uh, I was pulling from existing fantasy stuff. So uh, something like a giant snail that automatically tills grass into farmland, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and maybe it's fast. Like, do you guys remember the racing snail from Neverending Story? Like that, yeah, uh -huh. that kind of like weird, like juxtaposition, like, yes, it's sort of an animal or an insect from real life, but 
when you uh, frighten it, it goes zoom. <laughs> yeah, when it's the size of a horse, that brings a whole new level of things into it. I and, know that we've mentioned Avatar The Last Airbender on the show before when we talked about potential mobs. And I think a platypus bear that you could ride around in rivers and oceans would be kind of fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a ocean mount of some kind because horses are useless in the water. We can't ride dolphins. There's, yeah, like a, a bit of variety there would be kind of fun. And especially if... As we've talked about in previous episodes, there is a refocus on transport methods. If you look at, you know, minecarts maybe needing an overhaul at some stage, then yeah, transport could be a focus of an update and we could vote in something that really enhances that. Um, like going back to the giant snail idea, cool source of slime for peaceful players. Um, there you potentially. go, yeah. Um, and, and also maybe even nautilus shells or something like that. Like there's a rare occasion that they might drop a nautilus shell for you um there's there's stuff like that that i also i I do love the idea of a snail being really fast like maybe it moves around really slowly most of the time but you know how cows or whatever when you hit them if you don't one shot them with the sword then they'll like run around at double speed for a few seconds i kind of like the idea of you hitting a snail and it just going zoom and just like disappearing (laughs) into the trees um so yeah like there's 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 chances for for stuff like that and i think fantasy creatures are the way to go because it really sets minecraft apart from other games it sets them apart from everything else that has the generic you know the slime the zombie the skeleton and really gives it its own unique character obviously original ideas might be harder to come up with but we've got some very creative people working at mojang now and i think depending on the the mob it could have some fantasy elements because i mean like we already have bees the size of footballs so (laughs) something that i thought would be kind of fun which is i mean it's a it's a normal you know, insect would be butterflies because the Alay and bees have added so much life to the landscape. Uh, I know that Alays are something you have to go get, but bees happen naturally in the world. And there's something really cool about walking through the forest and realizing, oh, there's a bee there. I wonder if there's a bee's nest nearby, mm-hmm. you know, and and seeing that kind of movement, which is very different than the weird meander that sheep, chickens and cows do on the ground. The bees have a really nice kind of flying animation. So any kind of flying mob, like a butterfly uh, would be really cool. And when I when I was adding these ideas, I was thinking, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, but what what do you do in terms of player interaction and game functionality? And I guess it's a little bit redundant because a, a butterfly is also a pollinator, very similar to a bee. Um, but I was thinking that perhaps if you captured a butterfly, that you could then change your elytra to be whatever the butterfly's wings are. So maybe Mojang adds three or four different versions of butterflies in the same way that they've done with frogs. And you could have three different styles of uh, elytra wings. Now, that may not appeal to all players, but uh, you know it could be something interesting. Maybe there's a choice between making it look like butterfly wings or just dyeing it red or purple or blue or whatever. Or like um, the patterns coming through, but then yeah, yeah. having having something like a a moth wing or something instead. You know, sure, like, you could do a, a variety of things like that without while still appealing to a, a a variety of folks. I think. Yeah, and while we were thinking about flying, you know, I also thought birds. It's something we've mentioned on the show before. And I like the idea of, of just ambient birds in a forest. I think that could add a lot in terms of, especially if it's like bird chirping, things like that. And if that's something that they do and players could, you know, tame them like they do a parrot or or have them around because they've planted a certain tree, that could be something that you could on purpose design into your, you know, your quaint little cottage core town. If you want more birds chirping in the town square, plant more of the trees that the birds will spawn in or uh, be drawn to. Um, but then like, I mean, 
a bird is very broad. Like there are lots and lots of types of birds that you can oh, yeah. add to Minecraft. And so then what do you do for functionality? So I thought, well, a lot of the email we get has a real sore spot for phantoms. So what about something like an owl that would have the same effect on phantoms that a cat has on a creeper, right? Yeah, so you get an owl. So. You get an owl to like perch on the top of your barn and it scares away the phantoms, you know, for a foreseeable area, whatever yeah. that happens to be. So, so fun fact, cats also scare away phantoms. <laughs> but oh, do they? I didn't yeah, know that. But, but then like you don't really notice the effect of that all that often because most people don't walk around with a cat where they're going to be encountering phantoms anyway like it's it's yeah. easier for it's scaring creepers away from a static place because creepers just kind of spawn anywhere whereas cats whereas phantoms swoop down on the player specifically so they they spawn wherever you are and they target right. you so it's a, it's a different kind of vibe but i i do like the idea of an owl actually attacking phantoms and then an owl maybe like deciding to hang out closer to you the way uh an allay does for example yeah. that's that's not a a bad suggestion you also don't notice that cats scare away phantoms until the phantoms swoop down they get within an eight block range of the cat and then they go nope uh but then if you have an owl that's like higher up then you don't need to worry about the phantoms swooping down to begin with because the owl's already there yeah so I did a quick Discord poll before the show just to kind of get the the vibe of our, you know, immediate audience that's here this morning. And the the mobs that were suggested were things like penguins, uh, customizable riding mounts like a boar or something more fantasy, maybe even a flying mount that you could ride. Uh, end theme mobs like from dungeons, more fantasy, uh, mystical creatures in less populated biomes like deserts and badlands. Uh, and then someone also suggested something that can climb vertically like a lizard or a monkey. Mm. And I thought that was a neat idea. The idea of a lizard would be kind of cool. I know that spiders climb walls, but they look dopey doing it. Yeah, I, yeah, would, they... I would love to see a lizard that kind of like like a gecko or, or or something like that or a chameleon in minecraft would be really fun because like good luck trying to find one of those in a jungle <laughs> <laughs> it like changes its color based on the blocks that it's attached to i like that that's <laughs> That'd be fun. really fun right i mean it's kind of like you, you get that effect with shulkers already right where they're supposed to blend in with their environment but think about yeah. something that always does that and for various types of blocks i think that's that's a a fun idea and something and they already changes... have minecraft eyes you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the sides, uh, but some something that like changes its vertical orientation, right? Like so. So you're you're looking at spiders and going, well, that doesn't look like it's climbing the wall. It looks like its front legs are just kind of like sailing up it. Um, but then if it, you know, rotates around to be more vertical when it's climbing, you know, it maybe leaps at the wall the way a frog would, but then it sticks in a different orientation. I feel like that's something that you can you can work on and again like I, I think a few of the ideas we're going to get from the community are ambient things and we saw fireflies more or less culled from the game because they were just ambient and nothing else but i think with most animals you can think of something for it to do um whether it's an extension of existing functionality or something completely original i think even real world animals you can highlight some some quirky behavior that they have and so yeah, I, I think there's there's room for a lot of the stuff that we got from our from our Discord poll. One of the other ideas I had was a mole. Just because my brain was stuck on natural animals. I couldn't come up with anything fantasy this morning. But like a, a mole would be interesting because you could use it to maybe harvest crops. If it didn't eat the carrot right away that it pulled down from underground, then instead of using minecart rails, then you could use the mole to harvest stuff as an alternative like maybe someone isn't really good at redstone or maybe in a passive 
you know, um, world or in a, in a peaceful world, then some of the redstone components are not as easy to come by. Like, I don't know what would be the, the, the bottleneck there, but like having an animal help you out around the farm rather than having it to be all technical could be appealing to some players too. Hmm. Yeah. In- interesting concept. Like it, it kind of takes out the, the villager crop farming sort of thing and, and, and shuffles it around a little bit <laughs> maybe makes it less high maintenance, but yeah, like mole badger kind of similar vibes going on mm-hmm. there. I think, I think those potentially have some crossover, although you know that as soon as moles are implemented in the game, some redstone genius is going to make whack-a-mole. And yeah. you know, at that point, potentially you're, you're promoting cruelty to moles, although it's entirely on the player who's, who's created it. But the, I mean, the thought adjust, uh, suggests itself almost instantly. I mean, you mentioned the badger. Like, what about a badger that tunnels underground and targets zombies instead of crops? Like, maybe it's, it's aiding the player in that, like, it's going to help defend you. You know? Yeah, and and maybe even like th- thinking about it, tunneling towards zombies. Zombies are going to be in dark spaces, so maybe it helps you find the caves that you haven't lit up yet. Kind of oh, similar to go. how yeah. how the glare would, right? Like not necessarily exactly the right. same functionality, but if it if it detects a cave behind some of the cave walls, maybe it starts digging towards that or something, destroying the blocks as it goes. So you have to be a little careful about how to use it. Maybe I don't know. Mm, yeah. Um, Go- going completely on a different track here, I think a curveball could be, it'd be interesting to have players not necessarily vote for a new mob, but vote for a new villager profession. Um, because I think options like that open up aspects of the game and get people to think about what they're really missing from uh, from villager interactions. I think, you know, it- it'll probably end up skewing towards different play styles because you you have a villager who's like an engineer that's focused more on like redstone and rails and that's not going to appeal to everybody but i thought about that and then i thought well some of the existing villager professions don't appeal to everybody i don't know that many people who bother trading with some of them because like what is a leather worker going to do for you except you you give it leather they give you emeralds you know so i think that there's potential for villagers to have a bit of a uh an, an input into villager professions and I think when I, I got this from watching Slice Lime and King B Dogs touring Hermitcraft recently, um, they said that villagers are something that they want to revisit quite frequently throughout the next, you know, generation of the game's development. And and I think maybe there's room for players to have some input on that in a mob vote format. I like the idea of a new profession for villagers. Um, I'd be down for something like an engineer villager, especially if that would pair nicely with an update to rails. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if they've got a a transport update in mind already, then it does make some sense, right? Yeah. What would you say are the least popular, like least used villager professions? A leather worker is probably one. I'd say butcher. Um, there's a few of them that have certain trades that I go for, but I only go for that trade. Like cartographer, I think is one because a lot of people use external maps for woodland mansions and ocean monuments instead of buying them from villagers in game. Uh, the option is still there, um, but I think leather workers are the main one because they don't really sell you anything that you can't either craft or find pretty easily. They have a saddle trade, but then you find saddles in dungeons, you can fish them up, they're renewable that way. Um, yeah, there's not a huge amount, but then... I had a Fletcher on my list too. Yeah, Fletchers are okay. I find Fletchers so useful for the stick trade, just if you're trying to trade up for emeralds to begin with, right. then that's kind of useful if you're just like farming money, basically. But yeah, the Fletcher, the rest of the stuff they sell, aside from the occasional tipped arrow that turns out to be useful, there's not many of them. 
Um, but yeah, Fletchers for, for early game stuff are, are usually very, very valuable. And then the the rest of them are all pretty good, but it depends on your playstyle. Like, I imagine a lot of people are just going to be selling their stone to stonemasons, but I'm buying quartz and terracotta colors and all kinds of stuff off of stonemasons because I find those trades really valuable. So I think there's there's room for a variety of stuff that's out there. And maybe you end up with a villager who's more interested in some of the newer blocks. Like, none of them really buy copper or amethyst or anything like that off you, but if those materials are renewable, then there's a chance for them to be included in the villager economy as well. Maybe somebody's more interested in gemstones or rare blocks, or, you know, maybe that gives another use for some of the stuff that we're seeing in ancient cities with echo shards and whatnot. Maybe they trade you really valuable items in exchange for some of those. I think there's, yeah, potentially room for villager professions to expand, and a mob vote seems like a fun place to put that out there if they want to do something a bit different from the previous votes in the last few years. Well, if you folks at home have any ideas for what you think the mob vote could be leading us up to this year, or if you think there might be a buy-in vote, if you think Mojang are brave enough, then uh, feel free to write in and let us know what some some ideas that you've got, because we always like hearing those ideas. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks joining our community where you pledge at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can listen to the show where it's when it's recorded live in discord every week and we also have a monthly minecraft audio hangout where folks can share what they've been building in their own minecraft worlds and we just have a big chat about that we're currently at 333 patrons which is down 12 from last week as patreon does its usual reshuffle at the beginning of the month um but we'd love to welcome more people into the community this month minecraft live is coming up so a lot of people are going to be talking about minecraft it's a very lively community and we highly recommend joining special thanks go out to our content engineers of course hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and let them know that they can listen on itunes spotify google podcasts and even youtube be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the rss feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of both the Minecraft Survival Guide and Empire's SMP. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, and you can find that at thecitadelcafe.com. Steven ESC is going to be on this week. We are more than likely going to be talking about She-Hulk, which is on Disney Plus right now. And Pixariffs is going to be joining me later this month to talk about Rings of Power on Prime Video. Can't wait for that. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream from the Citadel at least once or twice a week. And I'm actually playing a lot of other games now too. So check that out, including a brand new Friday Lego stream weekly. See you there. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and not all mobs have pitchforks.